0: Wire. with the first pick in the 2019 NFL draft the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff the Indianapolis Colts select Andrew Luck and welcome back to another great edition of the draft board podcast i am your host jordan reed you can follow me on twitter at j nfl that's at j r e i d nfl follow me on there i post a bunch of stuff we have some great things going on you can find my work also at the draft com. also climbingthepocket.com as well two great sites for a lot a lot of football information if you're looking more for the college football background as far as prospects and things of that nature want to go on draftnetwork.com if you're looking for overall football and fantasy football information you're going to want to check out climbinthepocket.com so once again that's the draftnetwork.com and also climbingthepocket.com. be sure to check out both of those websites have a fantastic show for you guys today and this week is different just because college football is officially back you can hear the excitement in my voice i am just absolutely stoked For week zero, that it is called to be upon us, we have a lot of great matchups, not just FBS, but also FCS as well. Uh, FBS-wise, we have Florida going against the Miami Hurricanes, an in-state rivalry that is reconvening at this time, and I'm really excited that these two teams are really back playing against each other. And then for the nightcap, we have Arizona going against Hawaii, 10.30 Eastern time on ESPN. I'm really excited about both of those matchups. Really looking forward to seeing how these two matchups really end up resulting. So with that being said, today's show, I'm just going to give you a rundown of some of the prospects from both teams, or all teams, I should say, uh, from Florida, from Miami, from from Hawaii, and also Arizona. So this show is really dedicated to really a prospect background type of series, and I'm going to give you some really good tidbits and information and just some overall thoughts of what I think from players from both teams for all teams I should say, just so you can watch Saturday's games with a bit more of a close eye as opposed to just watching the game, now you're going to know exactly who you're watching. So with that being said... Just give a quick recap of the Florida Gators. Had a fantastic year last year. Ended up going 10-3 and 3 last year. 5-3 and 3 in the SEC, which really came as a bit of a surprise to some people. Dan Mullen's first year with the Florida Gators. And they're not what they used to be with Urban Meyer when they were back winning national championships in the glory days of Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin and all of those guys on both sides of the ball. Really, they really were loaded on defense. They had some really good players as well. Brandon Spikes is one player that really stood out on that defense so they're not necessarily back to the glory days of that but during Dan Mullen's first year I thought he did a fantastic job of really getting the culture back he won over the locker room and he really started to make these guys believe in him they cap off the year in the Peach Bowl last year with a dominating performance against michigan forty one to fifteen which caught a lot of people by surprise. many people weren't expecting them to dominate Michigan like that and they went into a game they went into the game as an underdog I don't know exactly how many points, but I remember for a fact that they were an underdog going into that game, and they physically dominated Michigan in that game and they just overwhelmed them and they finished the year on an impressive four game win streak. They go into South Carolina, they end up beating them 35-31. to 31. Idaho, which, is, which which was a bit of a cupcake, they ended up beating them 63-10, to 10, a very convincing win. And then also they go into Florida State, a team that had a down year last year, ended up beating them 41-14. to 14. So you're beating your in-state rival in Florida State. You're beating on another impressive SEC foe in South Carolina. And then... You finish or cap off the year with a very impressive win against Michigan in the Peach Bowl. So this team really finished the year on the hot streak. And I'm really looking forward to see if they can build off of that momentum. But as far as the prospects that they do have on this team, I think they have a bunch of very talented people on this team. And at the top, I mean, the top rated guy on the team going into the year is going to be cornerback C.J. Henderson. He is the most notable name going into this contest. And I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the country and he hasn't been mentioned as some, as one of the best for whatever reason and he kind of feels disrespected. He's he's made that known throughout his preseason comments and during training camp as well and that he's out to prove a point this year and he's on a mission. I'm excited to see him play. This is his first test. It is going to be a very good test for him even though Miami doesn't have maybe a notable name receiver throughout the country. I think they have some depth. Uh, and we'll get into their we'll get into their depth chart on the second half of the show but they have some really good names as far as a depth perspective on their side of the ball so um, we're looking forward to seeing if cj henderson can live up to the hype and if they even throw into his zone just because last year that really w- is, that's really what happened to him or really what became accustomed with him is that teams were just reluctant to throw to his side just because he was so impressive last year now Some of the things I would like to see him work on. He does need to gain some weight. He has a bit of a gangly build. He is very skinny. There It doesn't look like there's a pound of muscle at all throughout his body. So he's going to need to gain some weight. But he doesn't play to his size. And what I mean by that is, yes, he is very skinny. But he plays very strong. Has a very smooth back pedal. Quick out of his transitions and his break. And he has what I like to call elite click-close ability. Click-close ability is that... How quickly can he close the space on routes when routes are really kind of unveiling themselves with the receivers? How how quickly is he able to click and close and close the airspace on those routes? And how is he able to play make a play on the ball? So I think he is very good at that. He's very long. He has terrific ball skills, which is another trait that is very, very impressive about him. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he matches up against these Miami receivers. And I wanna see if he does live up to the hype this year just because he's coming into the year wearing the number one jersey. And why is that so significant? Just because it isn't given out every year. And this is the first time somebody has actually worn the jersey number since Vernon Hargraves wore it back in 2015, I believe it was. And they actually have two people wearing the jersey number this year, Kadarius Tony, We'll get into him uh, once we get into our offensive preview. but. With C.J. Henderson, getting that number one jersey should mean a lot to him, just because Percy Harvin is another guy that was a terrific player at Florida, was another player to don that famous number one. The program has really entrusted and had that, really that trust in him to wear that jersey and that respect factor with him, so... I want to see if he welcomes the attention that he's he's going to get and the pressure that he's going to garner now wearing that jersey, if he's able to willing to live up to the task and the hype associated with it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. But the next person that we'll get to, and I think this is probably, or it is the second highest ranked prospect in this game is Jabari Zaniga, the defensive end from Florida. He's wearing number 72, 6'4", 250 pounds, shirt, senior, And he had a bit of a breakout year last year, started all 13 games. uh, He recorded six and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss and 45 total tackles. So his star really shined bright as the year went along. Now, he really started to come on in his redshirt sophomore season. That's really when he started to get a bunch of playing time. I believe he started six games his redshirt sophomore year, but he just didn't have those requisite tools that you're looking for in a dominant edge rusher, but As he started to garner more reps, he's got more playing time, and now you're starting to see some of those traits shine. He still needs to improve on his hand usage a bit, but as far as the traits, his up-the-field speed, and what he has as a pass rusher, I think he's naturally given with that. Now, as far as a run defender, I think that's where he needs to improve, but he is your prototypical big ball of clay that NFL teams are going to love to mold, and I love seeing him on the senior bowl watch list, and I think with a strong performance this year, And specifically a strong week of practices in the senior bowl if he is able to make the game. I think we could see him make a huge rise. But that all could start with a great debut performance in week zero against Miami when they go up against an offensive line that doesn't have a bunch of talent at the offensive tackle spot. So he's going to be able to feast a little bit on this offensive line. So I want to see if he's able to take the next step in his development and build off that six and a half sack season that he had a year ago transitioning to the other side of the ball and just talking about some players that i like on florida and i think probably the highest ranked player right now would be running back Lamichael p ryan now he has switched his number this year from number 22 to now wearing number two there isn't any significant reason or anything behind it that i could find he just wanted to switch his number maybe two is something of significance to him but he has not revealed that yet but what he has revealed is his story and how he got to Florida. And everyone knows that I like to research background on prospects. That's what I live and die for. I just love seeing or or reading what make guys tick and how they got involved with the game and what made them fall in love with the game and just how well their passion is for it. And P. Ryan is one of my favorite stories so far. So just to give you a bit of a background about him, he is a Mobile, Alabama native. That is where he was born and raised at. Uh, he took a leap of faith. During his sophomore year I believe it was so Florida was very interested in him he was a huge Florida fan growing up he talks about he talks about Urban Meyer Percy Harvin Tim Tebow all those guys and how they made him fall in love with the University of Florida and with that being said suiting up for the Gators was really something that he always wanted to do but the only offer that he had After that year was Mississippi State. He didn't really want to go to Mississippi State just because he didn't know anything about Mississippi. But the only thing that he knew about Florida was the Florida Gators just because he loved the colors. He loved Urban Meyer and that was the team he rooted for growing up. So what he did was in 2014 during the summer he took a Greyhound bus from Mobile, Alabama all the way to Florida to one of their summer camps. And he performed so well that when he got back to his house with his mom and his dad in mobile alabama the florida gators coaching staff called him on a conference call and offered him a scholarship as soon as he got home and you can just imagine the type of emotion that was running through him after he got that phone call so just reading about that that was one of my favorite stories to share so far and his loyalty and his hard work has really paid off to this point he was the team's leading rusher last year with 826 rushing yards uh, and he only started one out of 13 games last year. He split carries. Uh, he's done that all throughout his tenure at Florida. But now he is the headliner guy this year. So I'm really looking forward alongside some other guys on the offensive side of the ball that will go over here in a second to see if this offense can really take the next step because they were fifth in the SEC last year. They were in the top 25 nationally with 35 points per game. So this is a team that really had a prolific rushing attack. They were top 30 in the country, averaging 213 yards per game. So the proof is in the pudding in that the ground game really is what gets this team going. That's really what operates and really what their bread and butter is. 213 yards a game that is very impressive considering that the conference that they play in is very tough defensively throughout so p ryan has a chance to be very very special in this offense but one thing about him is that he's not a guy that has a bunch of gears or anything like that. He's very low to the ground he is what i like to call a pinball type of runner very low to the ground low center of gravity bounces off of everybody extremely hard to tackle and he reminds you a lot of samadji p ryan who actually is his first cousin which is another fun fact about him. His short area quickness is really good, and his ability to fend off contact are just some of the traits that really shine in his overall playing style. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Piran does in this debut game. And they're going against a very tough defense as far as to run on, just because Miami has one of the better linebacker cores in the country. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Piran does match up against those two guys who we'll talk about in the second segment in Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pickney. On the perimeter, they have a couple guys that they like to throw to in Tyree Cleveland and Van Jefferson. Uh, with Van Jefferson, he's the son of a NFL long-time NFL wide receivers coach, Sean Jefferson, who is actually the current New York Jets wide receiver coach. So, just think about the upbringing that he had, how high his IQ was going to be just because he's been around his dad so long. He's been around the pro game essentially all of his life with Van Jefferson. He had a really good year last year. He started off his career at Ole Miss, actually, his first two years in 2016 and 2017 uh, before transferring to Florida last year. His first year in the offense, he recorded 49 catches, 553 yards, and three touchdowns. So that was really impressive and something that I want to see if he can build off of going into next year so he is their main option on the perimeter right now and let's see if he can live up to the height the next guy is tyree cleveland now he's a bit of a bigger receiver as far as a mass standpoint he's 62 205 while van jefferson is more of a 190 to 95 range they are in the same neighborhood as far as height they both are 62 but With Tyree Cleveland, he was pretty much a jack of all trades for this team as their number two wide receiver last year, ended up with uh, 18 catches for 212 yards and three touchdowns and 12 starts, and he was the starter essentially at that Z wide receiver spot along to the field so he's looking he's kind of looking to rebound to his sophomore form that's really where he had his breakout year 22 catches 410 yards and two touchdowns and he is the guy that caught the game-winning touchdown on the final play to beat Tennessee a couple years ago that really was the highlight of his career but he is another name really to keep an eye on and another one that we definitely could see down in Mobile in the coming months but the one guy that they like to get the ball to the most in this offense, and his name is Kadarius Tony. He wears number one, and I didn't say he played a position on purpose just because he's played wildcat quarterback, he's played running back, he's played slot and outside receiver. He's done everything in this offense, and he is the Swiss Army Knife do-it-all type of threat in this offense, and he is the guy that like that they like to push the ball to the most. And he even has some experience as a kick returner. And alongside C.J. Henderson, he is the other guy that is wearing number one on offense, though. You are able to do that in college as long as they're not on the field at the same time. So he's wearing number one when the team is on offense and also special teams while C.J. Henderson is wearing it while the team is on defense. So keep an eye on Kadarius Toney just because he's going to be all over the field. Do not get him confused with C.J. Henderson just because they wear the same jersey number. But Kadarius Toney definitely is one name to keep an eye on. Now, I would like to see him become more of a natural catcher of the football. He does fight the ball a bit and double catches quite a bit. So I want to see him get a bit more comfortable as far as his hand-eye coordination and catching the ball with a little bit more comfort. But Tony is definitely one name to keep an eye on. But the engineer of it all is quarterback Felipe Franks, 6'6", 230-pound redshirt junior. Had a very impressive year last year. And the thing you have to understand about Felipe Franks is that he's going to be a much better college quarterback than a pro quarterback, and there's a lot of questions on if he can even play the position at the next level. But as far as a guy that can get the offense in the best positions possible, he can engineer it to a T and he runs it exactly how Dan Mullen wants to run it. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the world, but he does put the ball in spots at times where defenders are not able to get it, and he knows where to go with the ball. Now, it's not always going to be accurate just because he's not the most accurate thrower. In the world but as far as a guy that can engineer this offense and get it in the best positions possible he is able to do that 2457 yards a year ago 24 touchdowns to only six interceptions so he has a well-proven background as far as being able to engineer this offense and being able to get it in the best position possible so I'm looking forward to seeing how Felipe Franks does answer to this defense, which has a lot of experience, especially on the first and second levels. And he's going to be going to get some very smart linebackers, as I mentioned earlier, who we're going to get into in the next segment with Shaq Quarterman and Michael Peakney. With that being said, here's a quick word from Blue Wire's latest sponsor. When we get back from the break, we will break down the Miami Hurricanes offense and defense. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com bluewire blue to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blades, rich lathering shave gel, and even a travel blade cover. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a very fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com/bluewire. All of Harry's blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to Harry's.com slash blue wire. Again, that's harry's dot com slash B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to redeem your razor for only $3. Now that I've broken down the offensive and defensive depth charts for the Florida Gators, I want to transition to the other team that will be playing on Saturday, and that is the Miami Hurricanes. A team that finished 7-6 and last year, 4-4 and in the ACC, but they finished the year with a disappointing 35-3 loss to the Wisconsin Badgers in the Pinstripe Bowl. A team that just didn't look like they wanted to be on that field last year. It was very cold, and we know, Florida people, we know y'all do not like the cold weather, and that's essentially what the team looked like out there. And with Wisconsin's ground-and-pound smash-mouth type of attack, it just looked like the team did not want to be out there on the field that day. And that was shown on the scoreboard as they suffered a 35-3 to loss. But now, Mark Rick is out the door. Manny Diaz is now in the door full-time as the team's head coach. And there's a bit of a buzz about the Hurricanes just because Diaz is taking a bit of a different approach. He wanted to rebuild this program on the fly, and he took the transfer portal route. And there's a bunch of new starters. On this team, specifically at receiver KJ Osborne, the receiver from Buffalo, who we'll get into a little bit later during this segment, is one new starter that has come aboard. And there's a bunch of others as well to fill out some depth on this roster overall. But there's some excitement. There's a new quarterback in the building as well that came as a bit of a surprise. And a lot of people were thinking that Tate Martel would be the guy, but that essentially was not the case. But with that being said, there were some key losses on this team. Gerald Willis, Jaquan Johnson, and also Joe Jackson was another huge loss for this team. But as far as the players that they do have coming back, Jeff Thomas is a headliner for this team. DJ Dallas is another one that will be back. And also Brevin Jordan, who is a sophomore. So we won't really get into him just because he's not draft eligible. On the defensive side of the ball, their biggest comeback guy, guy returning, of course, is Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney. Trajan Bandy is another name to keep an eye on, but the biggest ascending name for this team is Jonathan Garvin, and that's where I'm going to start with this team. There's a bunch of excitement surrounding him, and he's only a junior, so he does have another year if he does want to come back, but you talk about a frame that looks NFL-ready right now from a vertical standpoint as far as how tall he is and how filled out he is, he definitely looks the part. Now, he does have some more room to fill out his frame. He is a bit of on the skinny side, but... As far as what I mean by pro-ready is that he can fill it out at a moment's time. And as soon as he gets in the NFL strength and conditioning program, starts to lift and eat on a more consistent basis, and and football essentially turns into his job, I think he's going to be able to pack on the pounds very easily. He's already gifted as an edge rusher, has very heavy hands, but I think the area that he needs to improve on the most is as a run defender. He has some plays where he just doesn't recognize exactly what's going on on the other side of the ball. And he plays a bit hesitant at times. So I want to see him improve as far as a run defender standpoint. But as far as a pass rusher, I think he already has that. Started 13 games a year ago, recorded five and a half sacks, which he improved upon his totals from a year ago, where he only recorded two sacks in 2017. So there was a big improvement in that department. But now him being a staple of this defense and being able to garner more attention, I want to see if he's able to outlast and withstand that and see if he can still improve upon his sack totals from from a year ago where he did only record five and a half. I would like to see that maybe even reach double digits. If he's able to do that, I think he definitely could put himself firmly in the day two discussion as far as an edge rusher in this class. But the next guy that I want to transition to, he is obviously the biggest guy or the headliner on this entire team as a whole. And that is Shaq Quarterman, the middle linebacker. He is essentially the heartbeat of this team. And he's had a terrific story. He's been placed at that Mike linebacker spot since his freshman year. The day he stepped on campus, they named him the starter at that middle linebacker spot, home state kid. Uh, So he has a terrific story as far as exactly what he's been able to do in the orange and green Um, like I said, he's the heartbeat of this defense. He enters the year with a chance to break the record in most games played. I believe if he's able to stay healthy throughout the year and play 12 games, I think he's going to be able to break the record. So once again, he's at the center of attention. He's often praised for his leadership and his instincts. There is not a bad word that anybody has to say about Shaquille Corderman throughout the entire program, just because he has been a model citizen since he has stepped foot on campus and he has represented the program the right way. And you talk about a prospect that brings physicality to the system and to the field and is essentially a person that is able to galvanize this entire defense. He is able to do that. Now, an area where I do want to see him improve upon is being able to shed blocks. Taking on contact is something that he loves to do, but he likes to dip his shoulder as opposed to really being flexible and being able to maneuver out of the way. And sometimes he loves to take it on a bit too much with the shoulder. He likes to throw a shoulder as opposed to being able to get around, bend around and maneuver some of those climbing blockers. And he's not been able to detach when they're able to get clean inside of his frame. So detaching from those blocks is something that I want to see if he's able to develop during his game, during his final year. Right beside him is Michael Pinckney, another another linebacker that a lot of people are excited about. He's manning that wheel linebacker spot. And I think he's a bit more twitchy than what Quarterman has shown to this point, and I think he's a much better athlete than what Quarterman has shown on film as well. Really excels at playing east and west, sideline to sideline, but when he has to play vertical north and south, and he has to feel holes and become a run defender. That's really where his weaknesses are, just because he is a bit limited as far as the size. He's only 6'1", uh, 230 pounds, and I think that's being very generous because that's what he's listed at on the roster, but you talk about a guy that fully embraces the physical asking price of playing the position. Pinckney definitely does all of that. And I would like to see him being able to shed blocks alongside Quarterman a little bit more cleaner. But this is one of the better duos as far as a linebacker core throughout the entire country. And I think Florida has a very good matchup on their hands against these two guys. Uh, Rounding out the defensive side of the ball is cornerback Trajan Bandy. And I think he's probably going to have to transition more to the nickel spot just because he is only 5'9", 190 pounds. But he is playing on the outside for the Hurricanes. He will be wearing number two. He participated in 13 games as a true freshman during the 2017 season, and he rebounded to start all 13 games last year as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him if he can build off his success from a year ago. 36 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, three interceptions and two fumbles. He did have, I think this was a really cool stat, his five turnovers obviously was a team high. And he was the person that wore the team's turnover chain the most. And that's something that I really love that Miami has done. And they have established essentially a brand with the turnover chain. And we've seen so many different things throughout the country. We've seen a turnover book bag. We've seen a lot of other things as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if he can continue that trend of being the guy that wears the turnover chain the most. And I will have my eyes on him. You talk about a tough and scrappy type of cornerback. A guy that isn't afraid to get in the face. defenders he definitely is able to do that but obviously his length limitations playing on the outside does come uh, it does come to fruition from time to time with him so let's see if he's able to overcome that some this year even though guys like Van Jefferson and Kadarius Toney and Tyree Cleveland could give him some issues just because they're a bit of a taller type of receivers and Trajan Bandy really is a guy on the shorter side uh, of the spectrum on the offensive side of the ball Miami has plenty of intriguing pieces, but it all starts at the receiver position uh, with K.J. Osborne, uh, a guy that was a huge, huge grad transfer for this team after losing Amai Richards last year. He came over from Buffalo, and there was <laughs> a huge parade for him when he did come over just because the team really didn't know what they were going to do after losing Richards uh, at Buffalo. Osborne went on to record 96 career catches for uh, just under 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns, so... He does bring a bit of a reliability factor to the table. Now, he's not a burner or anything like that, but very reminiscent of Anthony Johnson that came out of Buffalo uh, last year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Osborne can do in this offense. He's probably gonna be manning the Z, wide receiver spot, uh, opposite of Jeff Thomas, who's gonna be working in the slot, who we'll get into here in a second, who was the top option returning for this team on offense uh, from a perimeter standpoint. So alongside Osborne, will be jeff thomas he would be wearing number four he's about five ten, 180 pounds and he was a junior it's been a really whirlwind of an off season for thomas just because he was dismissed from the team uh, back in november just because there were some in-house things where he had some disagreements with the coaching staff and also some other things that did happen as well he announced that he was going to transfer to illinois that ended up not being the case and he ended up being reinstated and joining the team back in january and if you go back and watch his game against lsu Uh, where he was just terrific he ended up recording five catches for 132 yards in the season opener a year ago there was a lot of excitement building up about him he finished last year with 35 catches for 563 yards and three touchdowns so there was some there was some really good numbers put up by him last year but we're we're still waiting to see him take that next step and we'll see if the relationship really is mended with him and the coaching staff with how much they push the ball to him and if he does get a lot of catches in this game on saturday It will show that they have full trust in him. But the team's main option and best returning player comes at running back with DJ Dallas. Another terrific story in that he was just an athlete. And when he did step foot on campus, he started his career at receiver. But some injuries suffered to Mark Walton, the the NFL running back currently. Uh, When he was a freshman back in 2017, they ended up making the transition to him to running back. And... He showed some really, really, really good promise when he was back at running back for the first time, even though he was an athlete just trying to figure it out. Last year, he finished with just under 1,300 all-purpose yards, 617 rushing yards, and a team-high six touchdowns. So DJ Dallas is still trying to figure things out, uh, essentially, in that backfield right now. But he will be wearing number 13, and he's another player that I will have an eye on. So that is a wrap for Miami and Florida. I hope you guys really enjoyed some of the prospect previews. And this is just a little taste of what I will be doing weekly. Just giving the rundown, It probably won't be as lengthy just because we're going to have so many games over the next few weeks. I can't spend so much time and be in depth about each game just because I want to highlight maybe some matchups of prospects that are going against each other or just some teams that I'm looking forward to seeing. But the nightcap. It's going to be at 1030 Eastern time between Arizona and Hawaii, and I think this is essentially going to be a quarterback battle between Cole McDonald and Khalil Tate. Those are the two headliner players playing in this game, and there's some other prospects playing, but I really want to focus on the two quarterbacks playing in this game just because Cole McDonald has gotten a lot of hype going into the year. It's it's settled down a little bit, even though he he had a little bit of a hype train about a month or two ago, but it has settled down a bit. Khalil Tate, had a huge hype train last year before he just had a really bad year last year and there were some some disagreements going on between him and the coaching staff last year in that situation as well that did lead him to missing a few games and there were some injuries associated with him as well but I want to see him become more of a consistent thrower and accurate thrower. Uh, I think that's the biggest areas where he needs to improve on but uh, without going too far in depth on those two, I'm really looking forward to seeing that quarterback matchup, and I will be recapping it on my next show as well, just giving some overall thoughts as I give the preview of the actual week one games uh, going into next Saturday's matchup, even though we do have some Thursday games next week that I'm going to be looking forward to as well. Uh, Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State who has gotten a bunch of hype. Uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic actually had him as his 10th ranked overall prospect on his early top 50 big board he will have a matchup next friday going on the road to face wake forest in winston-salem north carolina so that's going to be an intriguing matchup to watch next week but i want to remind you guys that on saturday morning i'm going to be releasing an actual breakdown of every game that's going on Around the country, we only have four games total, but I break down each prospect just like I did. Uh, some very similar words were shared in the article, so be on the lookout for that. I'm gonna have a guide of every prospect that I'm gonna be watching this weekend, and hopefully this breakdown, this in-depth breakdown, helps you or reminds you about some guys that could be in action this week. And maybe you see somebody that you like, uh, share it with me if you like somebody that you see on Saturday. I love having back and forth conversations. As you as you can see, I put up Twitter polls. I put up just some things that are on my mind some debates that i want to get you guys thoughts about as well so i like to keep the timeline interactive just because that's what social media and that's what twitter is all about but once again be on the lookout for that article on saturday morning it'll post right around noon uh, when some of the games are scheduled to kick off so once again i am your host jordan reed and i want to thank you guys for listening to the draft board podcast you can follow me on twitter at j nfl once again that's at j r e i d nfl Thank you guys, enjoy your Friday and the week zero matchups this weekend.